Well, again, good morning, everybody, and Merry Christmas. Let's try that one more time. Merry Christmas. It is great to be with you again today. Once again, my name is Renee, one of the pastors here. And, and if you're a guest today, if you came with a friend or you're just checking Twin Lakes Church out for the first time this weekend, you know, I think you chose a great weekend because we're trying something this weekend that we have literally never tried before. You guys are kind of all part of an experiment. What's the experiment? Well, first of all, we are not having a sermon this morning. I know. It's a Christmas miracle for some of you. <laughs> Instead, we're filling that slot with an original Christmas mini musical written, every word of it, every note, by our worship pastor, Trent Smith, directed by our own Catherine Bond. It's wonderful. You're going to see a lot of our young people up here dancing and singing. It, it's, it's quite beautiful. But why? Why are we doing this, bringing art and original music into a church about Christmas. Well, you know, it's because Christmas has inspired art for centuries. The original Christmas story in the Bible for 2,000 years, when you think about it, it's inspired artists and composers in every culture and in every genre of art and music for all this time. There's something about it that just captivates our imagination. Unfortunately, from my perspective, sometimes the art doesn't portray Mary and Joseph as real people. For example, for many centuries, this was the sort of image that you tended to see in nativity scenes. It's very beautiful, right? It evokes a lot of wonder. But after centuries of this kind of almost caricature, it was hard to imagine Mary as someone just like you and just like me. And that's one of the reasons I like when, when the tide began to turn in the late 1800s, this painting of the Annunciation became very famous. This is by Henry Ossawa Tanner. He was the first internationally renowned African-American painter. And he painted this with Mary as a, as a normal-looking teenage girl. And, and look at her face and look, look at her body language. She's got this mixture of she's bewildered, She's confused, she's intrigued, but she's also a little bit perplexed, maybe can't believe what it is that she's seeing and hearing. Well, that's Mary the way the Bible portrays her, and that's the Mary, that Mary, the flesh and blood Mary that you're about to meet on this stage as we give some of our own artists here at Twin Lakes Church a chance to help us imagine this story through their craft. So here's what we hope to do in the next half hour or so. In my moments of narration, in between the songs, I'm going to give you the scripture with a little bit of explanation. And then in the music, we're going to dive between the lines and use some imagination to consider what were these people feeling? What were they thinking? So we can clearly see these were real flesh and blood human beings in whose lives God moved in ways that were often unexpected. Now, why should we talk about this? What difference does this make? Well, Christmas, would you agree with this, is often associated with expectations, right? A lot of expectations at Christmas. Our expectations of the perfect Christmas 
dinner, maybe, or the perfect Christmas present, or the perfect family gathering, and all those expectations collide with the reality of Christmas chaos, right? I mean, it happens all the time, but how many, if if you're honest, quick show of hands, how many of you would say you're already feeling a little bit of Christmas chaos colliding with your expectations? Can I see a show of hands? I see some. How many of you are sitting next to the source of Christmas chaos in your life right now? I thought so. At Christmas, there can be family chaos. There can be emotional chaos. There can be relational chaos. There can be travel plan chaos. Well, think of this. At the first Christmas, it was exactly like that. There was relational chaos. There was emotional chaos. There was family chaos. There was travel plan chaos. Yeah, and guess who caused all the chaos? God. (laughs) Mary and Joseph were just normal people with, with ordinary, reasonable expectations for their lives until God stepped in and turned their expectations upside down. Our story begins in the tiny town of Nazareth. It's hard to imagine a less likely place for God to announce the Messiah is here. (laughs) Nazareth was very small, at the most historians say two or three hundred people strong. Nazareth was poor, Nazareth was obscure, and Nazareth did not have a great reputation. In fact, in one of the Gospels, when people start hearing about Jesus of Nazareth, A guy named Nathaniel laughs out loud and says, Nazareth, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And you have to know, the people in Nazareth knew about that reputation. And they probably figured, my life in this nowhere town, this is not a place anything great ever happens. There's nothing wrong with that. Look at you. Solid, mediocre, keep the pace. Steady and slow. What's the use in getting nowhere fast? Folks in Nazareth know you won't be disappointed if you keep your expectations low. Or you can work. No. 
problem, just keep it to yourself. We're not the best at keeping any secrets. Keep the pace steady and slow. What's the use in getting nowhere fast? Folks in Nazareth know you won't be disappointed if you keep your expectations low. Something better than this place Where nothing changes, nothing ever changes, ever will The houses and the people and the faces Everything smells and tastes the same And who is staying in Nazareth? What sort of good can ever come from this old place? This dump, the narrow streets, that ugly shop I know it's hot, always hot People work and never stop Hope that something good will happen here Seriously, it's exhausting just watching you. <laughs> or you can work, work, work as much as you like. Yeah, you can work, 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 work for the rest of your life on a way to survive. Yeah, you can work, work, work if that's what you like. A lot of dirt and sweat, but never a better life. Another day, finding a way to survive. And then one day in this nowhere town, something amazing and completely unexpected happens. Here's the way the Bible tells the story. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. I have a question for you. Is that what you hear from heaven every morning? Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Well, guess what? As Adrian said in his sermon last weekend, that, in fact, is exactly what God says to you. 
According to the book of Ephesians, his high favor is yours if you'll but receive it. Now, you might be thinking, who, me? I, I don't deserve God's favor. Uh, not me. He must, he must be thinking of something else. That's exactly the response that Mary first had. In her very human way, the very next verse says, Mary was greatly troubled at the angel's words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Uh, the word translated greatly troubled there means confused, scared, disturbed. Another translation renders it, she was thoroughly shaken. And then the word wondered, that in Greek is actually an accounting word used for doing an audit. In other words, literally what that's saying is Mary was thinking, this doesn't add up. And then the angel responds to her by saying, but the Messiah, the hero people have been waiting for for centuries is going to be born now, and you are his mother. But then again, Mary doesn't know what she's supposed to think. The Bible says, Mary asked the angel, but, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. I can't be with child. I'm not even married. What will people say? Now, eventually, the Bible says Mary did surrender and, and tell the angel, I'm the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. And that's the most courageous thing I think anybody in the Bible ever said, except maybe some of the prayers of Jesus Christ himself. But you know, Mary didn't get to that point immediately. And it's important to see her struggle to come to grips with the angel's message because it shows the process of faith that we all go through. So imagine the struggle in Mary's heart between the moment of being shaken and the moment of being surrendered.
And so Mary surrenders, but her surrender to God's will in her life did not mean an end to the chaos. You know, some people think that when you turn your life over to God, life gets easier. But the truth is, life doesn't have an easy button. Not for anybody. That's life in heaven, not here on earth. In fact, when Mary surrendered her life to God, her life actually got worse and she knew that it would. I mean, think of this. this. This girl, Mary, at the time, probably no more than about 15 years old, already near the bottom of the social ladder, knew that if she surrendered to God and he did this in her life, she would go even lower in the estimation of the people in her village. And for Mary, that must have started almost right away. Because 
Honestly, the thing about a small rural town like Nazareth is this. Everybody knows everybody else. And everybody knows everybody else's business. So when Mary began to show, people talked. People made assumptions. And the talk traveled fast. Good news. I have bad news. This town is so boring, but I've got a story. It's sad news. Remember that thing in the market last spring that I told you? Oh, is it that good? No, it's better. It's worse. Oh, I love bad news. My dear, I've been praying how to handle this well, who to tell if you get what I'm saying. I'm always so careful oh, I know. about my reputation, but I've held it inside for like days and my nerves are all fraying. As bad as the gossip must have been, I think obviously the most difficult part of this whole situation for Mary was the inevitable, uncomfortable conversation with Joseph. I mean, can you imagine? Hey, honey, I've got some news. I'm pregnant. 
and it's God's baby. <laughs> and the Bible is so honest. It does not say that Joseph just went, oh, okay, if you say it's God's baby, then that's fine. Here's what it says happened. Jesus' mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to divorce her quietly. Now, to help you really feel what Joseph must have been feeling, you have to know that when Matthew uses the phrase, a righteous man, to describe Joseph, that is probably a technical religious expression to describe Joseph. Because in Hebrew, the word for righteous man is a single word, tzaddik. Joseph was a tzaddik, and that meant a man who was righteous according to the strictest interpretation of the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, the law of Moses. In other words, whatever Torah said, Joseph did. Joseph was a pure man. Joseph kept all the Old Testament laws. He was a very religious man, a tzaddik. But suddenly, Joseph is a tzaddik with a big problem. Because guess what the law of Moses says to do in his precise situation? If a woman pledged to be married is found to be with child, and the child's father is not her husband-to-be, she is to be led through the town to her father's house and stoned to death. So now what is Joseph supposed to do? This must have tormented him because even though he was one of the righteous, a tzaddik, he kept all the rules, the thought of this punishment, he couldn't do it. And so he decides on his own plan B, a, a, a private divorce, send Mary away, get her out of town, end the relationship, but save her life. But this must have torn him apart. I, I imagine that he is haunted by these horrible scenarios in his dreams. Either way he turns, there's nothing that he, that, that he really wants to do. He wants to marry his beloved. And yet, whether he turns toward the law or he turns toward divorce, there's nothing for him there. And perhaps that's why, of all the people in the Bible stories, the only one in the Christmas narratives to whom the angel appears in a dream is Joseph. Maybe that's because it was in his dreams that this decision just tormented him. The Bible says an angel appears to him and tells him, well, to do something that he never would have imagined to do before this. The angel says, take this pregnant woman, Mary, home as your wife. Now, Joseph knew this meant scandal. This meant rejection. This meant an end to his status as a tzaddik. And yet God is moving again, this time in the dreams of a righteous man in ways that are completely unexpected. Thank mm -hmm. you.
How can it be? How can a hope that died be brought back to life in one night? One dream. I should have known. But who would have believed it? No one would believe it. Who will believe it? People seeing angels, hearing messages from God, I must be crazy. But how can we both be crazy? It's getting lighter now. It's getting brighter. Maybe it's morning. It's getting lighter now. my mind I would leave you behind go back to the life that I knew rejected ashamed embarrassed afraid what else was a guy supposed to do this frustrated heart alone in the dark but now I can see it's so clear there's no way no how I'll abandon
Well, we all want you to know this isn't just their story. It's your story. It's our story. Because all through the Bible and all through history, this is how God works. In ways that sometimes feel like chaos and seem like delay. They're unexpected, but they're so worth it when you learn to wait on the Lord and put the full weight of your trust in him. In fact, let's take an opportunity to do that right now. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes in a word of prayer with me? With all of our heads bowed and and eyes closed, let me just say before we pray that I believe that some of you are here specifically because God wants you to know he is up to something in your life more beautiful than you could ever imagine. And it may feel like chaos, and it may feel like delay right now, but keep waiting, keep trusting. It's so worth it. I mean, Mary's waiting really continued all the way past Christ's crucifixion. But then in that upper room, she saw her resurrected son, and she knew that ultimately, trusting in God was so worth it. And so I just want to invite you in your heart right now, no matter what you're going through, I don't know, but God knows. Say, God, you know the chaos. You know the delays I'm feeling. You know the questions, the frustrations I have, the seemingly unanswered prayers. But God, thank you that the story of Jesus didn't start with him popping onto the scene at 30 years old. Thank you that we get to see in Scripture these real-life people wrestling with what you are up to in their lives because that's how I feel like right now. And so, God, help me to put the full weight of my trust on you. Help me to wait on the Lord because I know it'll be so worth it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.